You're listening to Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince. Every two weeks, they give their thoughts on movies, TV, and anime. to our final episode of the year for Popcorn Ronin. Before we even start, I want to say a truly heartfelt thanks to everyone who listens to the show, has given us comments, and has enjoyed what we do. I, I, I joked around with our comic book informer podcast that, you know, if it wasn't for people listening, we'd just be a couple of old pitiful guys talking into mics, which we kind of are anyways, but it's nice knowing that people actually listen and enjoy what we do. <laughs> So we're going to talk about not just stuff that we've covered this year, obviously, because that would be boring, but a lot of other things that we've experienced this year as well, as opposed to some other shows who do a best of the year. That's not what we're about. We made that clear on Monday with our game podcast for the lore, yesterday with our comic book and former podcast, and again today. This is just stuff that we have either enjoyed or really didn't like at all. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just as much fun to talk about, let's be honest. So we're going to start off with anime. Because I can honestly say there's been a couple of standout moments. But I kind of feel it was actually a a letdown this year in terms of the quality of the anime. Now that may be because I didn't pick the right ones. Sometimes I go into one Let's be honest, knowing full well, I'm probably not going to like it, but A, willing to give it a shot, and B, willing to bitch about it if it's not good. So it's a win-win kind of thing. So I'm not always picking the best ones. But for me, at least the ones that I picked, there were a couple that really stood out, but there was also a lot of crap. I don't know. What about you? I'd say overall, and uh, I I will lead this with, I am horribly behind on a lot of anime watching my my cue is kind of ridiculous at the moment, but I'd say this year was pretty much on par with previous years past. There just wasn't a standout show like an Attack on Titan yeah. or a Full Metal Alchemist or something like that that really rose above the crowd to make this year more special. I'd say on average, this was pretty normal year. And it, for me, there there was a, a standout show, though. So OK, what was it? Uh, the new Gundam series, right. Iron-Blooded Orphans. And uh, I haven't i'm not caught up on it i've only watched a few episodes this season but the last couple series have been very different amongst the gundam franchise it's it's basically been gundam doing fan service to itself where the (laughs) the the entire plot line of the last two series was kids using model gundams to fight in a tournament and the model gundams were you know customized versions of popular suits from the past like as a fan, it was really cool. It was a lot of fun. But Iron-Blooded Orphans is finally getting us back to, you know, the roots of what Gundam always was. And I don't want to say supposed to be, but what it's largely represented. And it's, you know, very focused on, you know, war and the hardships of war, which we've discussed in the past. It's a thing Japan knows pretty well. It's a thing every country knows pretty well. But Japan has a certain proclivity to put it in their art and in a lot of their media. So it's it's really back to the focus of, you know, how do these massive conflicts between superpowers affect, you know, a small group of people and giant robots fighting on top of all that. So it's been several years since we've had a true, proper, like, kind of Gundam series, and it's uh, we finally have one back. Cool, cool. One of the things that I really like in different anime has consistently been this idea of being in a game. And that's because we're gamers as well. And we love that kind of idea. And it's the old Tron thing, you know, so I I can take it back to when I was a kid and and seeing that. And when done properly, it winds up being something that's spectacular. But even when it's, even when there's 
flaws in it. I'm, I'm trying to be a lot more forgiving of what I feel to be that misogynistic stupidity that's in it. I'm, I'm trying to be more forgiving and, and unless it's like really, really bad, <laughs> like I'm doing, okay, I'll let it go. Like the second season of Sword Art Online, um, which they call Sword Art Online 2, had some major flaws, major flaws, I felt. But there were still a lot of parts that I liked. Mm-hmm. And then we can look at Log Horizon. Have you watched any of that? No, I haven't. It is very much a Sword Art Online where they're in a game. However, there's even less explanation of the whys. I shouldn't say even less because Sword Art Online does give you explanations. Log Horizon really doesn't. Kind of plays loosey goosey with the whys, and it's just a bunch of people that are in a game. But what it does really well is integrate the real people with the NPCs. The NPCs who appear to be somewhat sentient. So there's a lot of real cool integration that you get from the leaders of the actual players dealing with, be it the royalty of different towns or of vendors or different people and working with those NPCs. And then you also get, for people who listen to this who actually aren't, Gamers, NPCs is non-player characters, just as an FYI, which is for your information. <laughs> <laughs> that one you probably already know. <laughs> but it does a lot of real cool things with that, and it integrates a lot of quote-unquote game mechanics that as a gamer you'll recognize. And it's not like you're missing out if you're not, but there's little nods to things that will appreciate a little bit more. I mean, something as simple as wave after wave of goblin creatures coming after them because every year there's this event that happens and they have to do something in order to beat the goblin chief kind of thing to be able to progress from there. And it's an event and we know that from MMOs where you have yearly events or, you know, quarterly events or whatever. So... There's a lot of nods to uh, games that you don't see in Sword Art Online that I really like. That said, however, sadly, it doesn't have nearly the the grip. It It's not nearly as well written as Sword Art Online. Because once again, Sword Art Online, both seasons, actually, it winds up being three seasons, have terrible flaws. Like huge, almost... This breaks it for me and I can't watch it, like borderline. But you can't deny that the series as a whole is exceptionally well written. The, the the writing is really tight. It just includes stuff that I'd rather they not put in. But the characterizations, the, the interpersonal relationships, everything is spectacularly well done. Might not always agree with how it's done, but it is well written. Sadly... Log Horizon doesn't have that level of writing. So while it's good and enjoyable, it's nowhere near as gripping even when they try to make it so. There are, there's a few stupid moments again, one character with the constant panties thing and all that, which is typical, again, Japanese stupidity for anime, which reduces how much I like it, but nowhere, it's a lot easier just to pass that off as, oh, this is just stupid kind of thing. Because they don't tend to take it much further than that. But it does do a lot of things really quite well, and I do enjoy it for that. Cool. And then keeping in that vein, and then you could take the next one. I I knew I was going to regret. (laughs) But again, going back to my point earlier, A or B, it's a win-win. Have you watched any of Is It Wrong to Try to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon? (laughs) The title alone set up warning flags for me. I, I kind of feel like I need to now. <laughs> but while there's a ton of stupid shit in it, and there's a lot, and there is the kind of misogynistic bullshit that I just won't put up with at all, there's a reason why I stopped watching it. But again, it's a gaming one kind of thing, and, and it's not a they're stuck in a dungeon. This is, or in a game that's a, 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 a virtual reality kind of thing, it's, it's justifiably this is reality there kind of thing and they do dungeon runs and different things like that and there's various races and all that 
And there's a lot of stupid shit, but man, there's some parts that were actually really enjoyable. And part of it, once again, is because we're gamers. So I'm looking at this and I'm going, I recognize this. I recognize that th- these are trash mobs. And I recognize that he's being swarmed by, he, he pulled too many or things like that. <laughs> and how they have a pack mule. You can hire a pack mule to come with you to collect all of your stuff, your loot, the drugs. <laughs> kind of thing and there's there's really actually some interesting characters in terms of the relationships with each other and all that sadly it falls way way too heavily on the tna and flaunting it and and the young boy is the one that's getting all of this affection from the female characters and and it really it ruins it sadly because it were it not for that the concept is sound to to base a series on. The characters, if you take out that stupidity, would actually be fairly interesting and fun to watch. The setting is good. So there's a lot that's going for it. It's just sadly it has way too much to the point of, again, I clocked out after a while, especially after one scene. It was like, nope, that I was ready to clock out any time. That did it for me. So, so it's too bad because... Th- there were moments that were like, oh, this could be really good and fun. Hmm. What else you got? I know you're going to laugh, but Dragon Ball Super. I, mm. You know what? The only time I've ever watched a Dragon Ball Z um, anime was with our eldest. And he's he just turned 30. So when he was a kid, like 7, 8, mm-hmm. we watched some of that with them. But that's the... Since then, I have never watched any Dragon Ball anime, so I don't know well, if exactly. it's any good. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z was a big part of my teenage years, right. and you know I've carried through in the meantime with them the movies and the god awful Dragon Ball GT series. But Dragon Ball Super was Akira Toriyama coming back and doing the the sequel series the way he wanted to, and it was building off like the a ridiculous popularity of the two movies that were in theaters over the last couple of years. And it was huge. It was like a worldwide sensation. People were chomping at the bit for more Dragon Ball Z. So they went and brought it back with a new series, Dragon Ball Super. On one hand, it's a little disappointing because the first, couldn't tell you how many episodes, are basically retelling the last two movies in a series format, but really expanding on it. Like they're, it, they're, They've taken the concept from the movies and just done like entire seasons about them. And it has all the stuff we expect from Dragon Ball with the super ridiculous fights and the crazy enemies and all that. But rewatching it in a series format where it's not, okay, movie, establish the bad guy, get into a fight and, you know, reach a resolution. Where it has the episodes to actually expand upon the characters and everything. It really made me realize kind of what made Dragon Ball so charming to begin with. And it's the intercharacter relationships and more importantly, the family bonds that have formed between these characters over now decades of being in one various anime show or another and seeing them evolve, seeing them grow, seeing them truly care about each other on top of a lot of the ridiculous action that goes along with it reminded me what I loved about the series. It wasn't just giant fireballs and crazy uh, world exploding fights, but you actually care about the characters when they're in those situations and bringing back to an actual series and giving the, those relationships time to breathe really elevates that once again. Hmm, cool. You can do another one if you want. All right. Well, then the last one I have, I've only watched a couple episodes of it because it actually just premiered. Well, it actually just ended, but it uh, ran for the last uh, few weeks of the year from October through December. And that was One Punch Man. It's... Something I've heard a lot about over the past year or so because the manga was getting really popular. A lot of people were saying One Punch Man was the best superhero comic that you could read. (laughs) And I never got a chance to check it out. So when it got made into the anime, I was like, all right, let me watch a few episodes. And it's a hell of a lot of fun. The, The main character, Saitama, is the most powerful superhero in the world. To the point where imagine if Superman went, you know what? I'm tired of beating up these guys. I'm just gonna like... You know, go find something else interesting to do. <laughs> That's what this guy is. He's bored of being the most powerful superhero on the planet. So he just, you know, tries to find other ways to fill his time. And it's it's just a, it's 
it's a big fun series. It's not super serious, but if you're looking for something a little more lighthearted and fun, that's definitely a direction to go in. Cool. Cool. One of the other ones that kind of falls into the same um, mentality as the dungeon things. Well, it's not really dungeon, but it, it, it has that for me, at least that it feels like a, a game kind of thing is, uh, did you watch a, a Kame, a, a, a Kame Gakil? No, I heard about it. Once again, it's got some stupid stuff in it. It most certainly does. It's one of those things where as soon as I hear the title mentally, I kind of put it as alongside Kill the Kill and it's just, just it's a bad association to begin with. But it's nowhere near that. It's not I, even I know. close to it's that. I know. Yeah. It's just the word association already puts me in a yeah. <laughs> hesitant mood. And I agree. I, I actually watched the entire season of this. And again, it has the stupidity of the, the every woman has the same shape. Well, I shouldn't say that. Some of them don't. You're, it's either the young school girl look or the exceptionally buxom woman kind of thing. And some of them flaunt it more than others. But get past that. And and I will say justifiably, it, it doesn't really go beyond that kind of thing. There's there's stupid flirtatious stuff, but it's it's nowhere near crossing a line at all. The actual story... And and it's not like there's a ton of story behind it. It's very typical resistance group going up against evil empire kind of group. So very traditional in that sense. And then what it does is each of the resistance members have a weapon or a something of sorts that transforms them. So again, a, a trope that we've seen many times before. What I liked about it is that and it's hard to say this with a straight face, but it comes off as realistic. And and not just, I'm not just saying it's hard to say that with a straight face because it's an anime, but also because it is so hyper violent. It's unbelievable, but in a very kind of stylish way. So it's, I don't want to say like a, a Tarantino kind of thing, but it's that kind of mentality, a stylish, violent way. But it's also... You realize pretty much the only thing you have to say for me to watch something is go, it's a Tarantino-type yeah, well, anime no, 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 and it, I'm in. It, it, I don't <laughs> want to put you off. It's not like that. But it's the, the closest example I can kind of give. But also what I liked is that there's very real consequences to what the resistance group is doing. And you see that as they slowly get whittled down. So unlike a lot of anime shows where the heroes never die... They'll take a shit kicking, but they never die. No, these do. And in a very profound way. And the longer they're in the group and in the anime leading forward, the longer you get attached to them. And then when they do bite it, as profound as it is for the rest of the resistance group, you as the viewer have gotten attached to specific characters. And it's like, oh, damn. And, and you know, because of everything that's come before, they ain't coming back. That's it. They're gone. So I liked it because of that. And, and it, it handled very well the different characters, the different struggles of each of the groups. And especially when you look at people who were trying to work, say, for this empire and protect the, the people. And they kind of doubt sometimes if they're doing the right thing. And then you have the ones that are so over the top that they've been they're They've gone insane. And so there was a lot of things about it that, that worked really well. A lot of stupidity, certainly to be expected, but actually it, I, it was one of the ones that I would say, if you can get past that, it's actually worth watching. I enjoyed it. And it actually made me want to keep seeing the next episode and the next and the next to see, you know, what was happening. The overarching story was well handled. Hmm. So, yeah. And then you mentioned Attack on Titan. There is a very, very clear Attack on Titan clone that I think it's still going called God Eater. I've heard of that one. Yeah. Watch the first episode. That's all I could take. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. No, you're taking that misogynistic bullshit way too far. And there were too many things about it that I just couldn't get behind it's like oh come on and it was just bad after bad after bad and i was like nope guess i'm clocking out from that one i got one left 
And I watched other ones too that I would love to talk about. We'll save that for a grab bag episode sometime. Have you watched Beautiful Bones? Haven't even heard of that one. Whoa. Oh, ho, ho, ho. that is my current favorite. And not only current favorite, but one of the best ones I've seen in a long, long time. Now, I am very partial to Sherlock-type stories, which is made abundantly clear on every podcast we talk about. (laughs) (laughs) And this is a blend of a Sherlock-type character and Bones. You ever watch Bones on TV? A few episodes. Okay. Bones is a show that you can, certain people really get behind, especially if you follow it through. It's on like season 10 or 11 right now. We've watched every single episode. And I had not been watching it before, but my daughters loved, loved, loved the show. And they would watch it periodically with my wife. And my wife would tell me, like, it's really good. And then, sure enough, we binge-watched. And it's a spectacular show, I will say. And and she's Sherlock. That's what she is, kind of thing. But a, a specialist as it pertains to Bones, that's what this is. This young woman is a specialist for in bones, and so you get different settings that are very much like this series, Bones, but again, with a lot more Sherlock tossed in to the mix, and she's even got her young Watson character. There was only, quite literally, I think, one moment where I kind of groaned the, the, the expected cleavage shot, but it wasn't horribly done. It was just a... Oh, it's a young kid who's kind of infatuated with this older woman. And by older, she's like in typical anime fashion. She's like in her mid-20s maybe kind of thing. But writing is tight. And it's a mystery. Each episode is kind of a mystery. And the animation is spectacular. Voice acting is great kind of thing. It's really, really a very, very good anime. I'm not yet caught completely up to date, but I think I've watched like six or seven episodes, maybe more. And I love this uh, this anime. And unlike a lot of other ones that I'll just kind of put on, especially I've been sick lately. And so I'll just kind of put something on. And if I fall asleep while it's playing, I don't care. If I miss some of the subtitles, whatever, I can pretty much figure out what's going on. This is one that when I watch it, I'm paying attention. I'm making sure that I read everything that I watch, every facial expression, everything that's going on in the same way that I would for a Sherlock episode. It's very, very good. I highly, highly recommend it. Hmm. So let's move on to what we've been watching on TV. And... By we, you mean you. <laughs> we, yeah, we watch quite a bit of TV. But I, I, my TV is pretty much a PlayStation machine. <laughs> <laughs> the, this is kind of, we're not even going to talk about any of the superhero shows. If you're interested in our thoughts on those, we recorded that yesterday on Common Book Informer. Go to commonbookinformer.com or on iTunes, maybe Stitcher. <laughs> Still haven't. <laughs> I checked this checked. morning. You're wrong. It is there or not? It's not. God damn it. Okay. I will get it done. (laughs) I was fairly certain I had, but I will check. Anyways, just go and check and you can see our opinions on the variety of shows that I especially have been really, really enjoying. Other than that, this is the year where a lot of people looked at the success, say, of The Mentalists or shows like that, where you have an outsider who is going to assist with the FBI, the NSA, who knew, whoever, we got a lot more of those. And there's like Blind Spot, Minority Report, and Limitless are the three, the main three that we we watched and have that very similar kind of plot device going on. With Limitless, basically it's just this pill that they give this guy and he becomes the smartest guy on the planet while he's on this pill. And then he gets a a kind of a vaccine that removes the withdrawal effects, but then that puts him in the pocket of a powerful senator or governor. I think it's a senator. And he works with the FBI. Karen really likes this show a lot, a lot more than I do. I'll watch it. There's 
a lot more comedy to it than the other ones. And that's just because the main actor is kind of a goofball character. So there's a big distinction between when he's on and when he's not on this, this pill. But I don't know. There's too much about it that is not working the cliche in an original way at all. I mean, it's quite literally just how do we make it so that this guy is a smartest guy? Oh, let's just give him a pill. Okay. There you go. Done deal. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. So I don't know. It's again, I'll watch it and I enjoy some of the episodes, but it's, I, I, it's not something that I actually would recommend to others. Hmm. And then minority report is you have these three people that have extra powers that as children, those powers work together. So one can, see when a murder is being committed. One gets the names and things like that of those involved. And the other one has this kind of precognitive sense of beforehand what's going to happen. And then the three of them are linked together. This is like a futuristic show. They're linked together and the police force gets the information before the murders happen and then arrest whoever would be involved preventing those murders. And then that gets dismantled at some point after they've been doing this for many years and because it's no longer deemed as lawful. And so these three people are basically sent off and said, okay, go do your own stuff. And one of them comes back because he's seeing all these murders and he wants to do something about it. And of course he starts working with someone from the police force. Same kind of premise again. It's at least a little bit more original. I... I'm not crazy about all the actors, but it's not bad. The production value is off the charts. Really, really cool effects and different things like that, especially the futuristic stuff. Um, But again, if I miss an episode, eh, really not that big a deal. Then we have Blindspot. Blindspot for me was actually probably my favorite new show of the season across everything. Blindspot is amazingly good. So basically, New York City, a duffel bag is found in the middle of Times Square, and the police are worried that it might be a bomb. So the FBI goes to open it, and what comes out? This naked woman, but she's covered in tattoos. And so she has no memory. Again, a plot device that we hate, but in this regard, it works. She's taken in and they discover that each of the tattoos actually is kind of foretelling a major crime that's going to happen. And so they try to uncover each of the tattoos to try to figure out what's going to happen to then prevent a a, a large catastrophe from happening. Really, really well done. The acting is incredible from everybody, including my favorite Ashley Johnson is in the show. Love, <laughs> love her. And Actually her, not just her voice. Yeah, we get it all. <laughs> and and she's great. Like there was literally, there was a story arc that happened with her that put her through the ringer. Let's just leave it at that. And those episodes, like as it is, she pretty much steals every scene she's in, but that story arc was like, oh my God, it proves the acting chops this woman has. But everybody in the show is spectacular. Writing is amazing. Visuals, everything. Just a standout show. Cool. Do you have anything or am I going to keep going? Um, the season of Doctor Who is pretty good. I. I don't watch Doctor Who. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it's one of those things where anybody that you're that's going to understand what you're talking about has already seen, and anybody who's who your discussion would have any relevance to is hasn't seen it. So it's, you're either preaching to the choir or yelling at yeah. a crowd. <laughs> uh, aside from that, though, I was transfixed over this past holiday weekend. I watched all of Making a Murderer on Netflix. I've not even heard of that. It's it, a lot of people were talking about it. I watched the first episode and didn't sleep that night because I was watching more of them. Wow. It's a documentary series. It's only 10 episodes long. 
And it's about this guy in Wisconsin who was jailed for 18 years for a rape he didn't commit. And then he's out for a matter of months and then he's arrested on a murder charge. And the documentary does a good job of presenting the evidence that it's at least possible that he was framed by the county sheriff's department for the murder. Hmm. So uh, it's fascinating to watch. It's it's basically a courtroom drama, but it's real life. Awesome. It was. It's very well produced, very well made, and it just grips you from the beginning to the end. Hmm. Cool. Cool. It actually made me think of how to get away with murder, mm-hmm. which is in the second season now, and that's another show that wow, episode to episode, it's like unbelievable. Ramps up so much, and it's like. What can happen next? <laughs> and it just keeps getting worse. So it's still a good show. Uh, not so good, however, last season of Hannibal. Yeah, I didn't even finish the season. We haven't I finished made it, like, it three either. episodes in and went, eh. Yeah, and we loved the first two seasons. And this one here, we haven't finished it either. It is horrible. They, It's like they thought... Oh, you thought the first few seasons were a little avant-garde. <laughs> we'll show you avant-garde. And it's horrible. Just don't like it. Have you watched any of Heroes Reborn? Not a minute. Okay. No. Now. You could not pay me to watch that. <laughs> we're actually kind of enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> now, Heroes was one of those cultural events mm-hmm. that you wanted to be so much better than it turned out to be. And Great first season, you some of it, not all interesting first season, <laughs> but it was one of those where it's like, I, I wanted to live the hype of what it was. Mm-hmm. And then the second and third, oh my God, that was bad. But the first did have some justifiably and awesome. It still movie. kept going too. <laughs> but this has got some cool stuff. It's got a lot of bad. Let's not me. Let's not mince words here. It's got a lot of bad. But it's also got a lot of cool kind of moments. And there's nice throwbacks to even the first season kind of thing. So I'm enjoying it because of those. But even Karen, who's not watched any of the prior seasons, is actually still enjoying it as well. So very, very much popcorn TV where you really, it's encouraged not to think. But there's still some fun stuff in it kind of thing. Only a couple more that I want to briefly touch on. How what, do you find time for anything else with all this TV you watch? It's, it, it's not that much. <laughs> Blunt Talk with Patrick Stewart. Have you watched any of this show? No. You asshole. <laughs> Blunt Talk is one of the best new comedies to come out in a long time. The acting, well, I mean, Patrick Stewart can do anything, and he's proving here that A, he does not take himself seriously at all, and B, that he can act in anything. If someone can stare you down as Xavier in a wheelchair, and you just watching the show feel that power, I'm not even going to talk about his Star Trek days, but even just that, you can feel power in his voice, in his presence, everything, and then go to this, which is so goofball ridiculous. (laughs) Like, seriously, unbelievably ridiculous. There's a, you can see the influence of British comedies as well in it. With very subtle, dry humor, which as Canadians we love as well. It's just so bloody good. It's unbelievable. Just spectacularly funny. Great show. And then the only other ones that I wanted to talk about, just for, they're not just for kids. They're for adults too. (laughs) The Muppets came back on TV. And while a lot of people (laughs) slime it. I have seen a few episodes, yes. A lot of people like to slime it. We still like it. It's still the Muppets, and we still like it, and it's fun. The other one is the second season of Star Wars Rebels. 
we loved Clone Wars. Loved Clone Wars. And when Rebels came out, the first season was kind of like, that's good, but it's no Clone Wars. Second season, it was like, oh, (laughs) you didn't think we could do epic? And writing is leapt forward. We're getting shit happening in Rebels that is amazing. And we're getting callbacks to characters from Clone Wars showing up here, including Ahsoka, after everything she's been through. And we're getting storylines that are absolutely incredible, as good as anything that happened in Clone Wars. So really a ton of fun to watch. Wow. Okay, let's move on to the movies. Those I have. You have a lot of them, <laughs> by the sound of it. Not as many as I thought, but yeah, a lot. <laughs> you know what's funny is that, like, and this is why, again, I go back to, we can't say that we're going to talk about the best of the year because we may not necessarily have watched all of the best of the year. We're going to catch up next year or whenever the hell we get to it. But there were a lot of standout shows well, at least for me that I thought, and some of them were kind of surprising how much I thought, wow, I didn't think that that would hit me as hard as it did, but it really did. Case in point, watch Creed. Have you seen that yet? Ridiculous. Like how? It's, it's (laughs) again, it's one of those where you're thinking it's just a Rocky show. The only Rocky worth watching is one you know, the other ones you can watch them, but you're never going to think, well, that was spectacular, amazing. I have a pure, unironic love of Rocky IV. Okay. It's just so perfect in its 80s-ness. But this isn't about Rocky. Yes, it is about him in that, in terms of he's a supporting character of great importance, but it's about Creed, young Creed. And it is so bloody well done now i i will say to and like a lot of people do i'm a sucker for a good boxing movie and part of that is my love of the ring too i mean i my knees are horrible now and i can't and it drives me nuts when i see fight scenes and all that because i took martial arts for over a decade and i used to love and not to brag but i was good at it in the ring i loved fighting there there's it's not about the brutality of it it's there's a, there is a science to it. There is a, a feeling that comes over you. And uh, case in point, we've been rewatching Battlestar Galactica because our youngest never saw it. So, hey, perfect opportunity. We're already on season three. And a few episodes back was the episode where they toss in their tags and they're all, they take turns fighting. And as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, God, I miss fighting. I miss it so bloody much. So when a show like Creed comes out, that does it really well and that addresses that that need to fight that and it's not about being a poser it's not about needing to prove anything to anyone it's just that's what feels natural and i can actually relate to a lot of that i thought it was amazing i thought it was a great show brilliant acting throughout it was really a ton of fun to watch this year has is so weird because Two of the best movies I saw this year, and one of my favorite movies, I wouldn't go so far as to say it was a good movie, are basically the 70s come back for revenge with Creed, Mad Max, and Star Wars. Right. It, it just took 40 years. FYI, I haven't seen Star Wars yet. So watch with the spoilers. <laughs> I, I can be careful. Go ahead with any of those. And or well, all. We've, we've talked about Fury Road. We did an entire episode on it. I yeah. love that movie. It's easily one of my favorite of the entire year. You know what's funny, though? And I'm just going to cut you off real fast and then you can keep going. I have, and, and this is not an insult to anybody who likes that movie. We've made that clear when we talked about the movie as well. But <laughs> because it's the end of the year, everybody's doing their best of favorites mm-hmm. and all that. And I'm not going to lie, to this day, whenever I read anybody say... That was my favorite movie of the year. Nothing came close to it. Favorite movie of the decade, whatever. I don't understand. <laughs> I sit there going, why? Well, how? How is this your favorite? I understand it's subjective and all that, but it's just I look at what it was, and it's like, 
man, that movie was simply not made for me. Fair enough. But for you, it was. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it was It was a spectacle. It was a great ride. Yeah. So uh, I guess then I'll talk a little bit about Star Wars. <laughs> Careful. Um, very enjoyable. I felt at points it leaned a little too heavily on replicating feelings and scenes from the original trilogy. And I understand a lot of that was, hey, remember, guys, we're – this isn't the prequels. It was in a lot of ways trying to win back, you know, lapsed fans. And it did that. But there was one point where I swear Harrison Ford looked into the camera and winked. <laughs> it was it, it weaned very heavily on fan service at points. That said, very enjoyable. Some of the scenes are J.J. Abrams is fantastic behind the camera. Beautifully shot. All of the new characters, both heroes and villains, I adore them. I'm really looking forward to seeing more stories told with these characters. The characters are great. The actors had fantastic screen presence. You're going to be hearing a lot more out of uh, some of these in the coming years. Daisy Ridley is going to be a huge star. John Boyega is already becoming a big star. And Oscar Isaac, we, we were talking about him in uh, Ex Machina. Completely different character here. Still just as much screen presence. I, I'm looking forward to watching it. And again, as I've made clear yesterday on pop on um cbi i'm not a huge star wars fanatic but i am looking forward to seeing it the only reason we haven't gone out yet is because it just came out and it's still ridiculous and mm-hmm. i don't want to put up with that crap in the theater but no i i am looking forward to going and seeing it it's funny because That's why I, i'm very happy to have local theaters that do reserved seating yeah <laughs> the um I've been reading a lot of things about it I, i'm trying not to but it's social media you can't always prevented kind of thing mm-hmm. and people like to either bitch or praise too easily oh absolutely there, there is no middle ground on the internet so people were that that comparison to a new hope is you've seen that a lot and i was wondering whether or not this is again people liking to bitching and latching onto that and being the sheep that they are and just repeating that or if that was in actuality a very real concern about the movie. I won't say anymore. Okay. The other thing too, was people complaining about, um, what's her name? The lead character, um, Daisy Ridley, uh, as Ray, Ray, people saying that she's too much of a, well, a Mary Sue, stupid, which is, I thought at, without even having seen the movie, comparing it to the other characters that everybody's all right with Luke and all of his abilities, Han, all of his abilities, Anakin, and everything else, but a woman in the same vein, and all of a sudden, oh, she's a Mary Sue, and I'm going, okay, I haven't seen the movie, but that just seems like bitching for the sake of bitching. Am I right? It is. Okay, yeah. good. Good. So, again, it is one of those I'm, I'm looking for. Did you see the freaking vine that she put out of her deadlifting, like, nearly 200 pounds? Uh, 175 <laughs> yes. pounds, I think, and it was like... Damn, girl. <laughs> you go. Okay, that's going to make it more believable when I see the show. <laughs> it's more than I can lift. <laughs> well, right now, damn, so I'm more than I can lift. Well, let me rephrase that. It's more than I can lift without breaking something. <laughs> Did you see The Martian? Yes. I read the book, and I loved the book. I uh, saw the movie, and I liked the movie. Oh, uh, you're that person. Okay. Normally I'm that person too, but <laughs> I have not read the book, even though my daughter was saying like, read the book. It's so good. It's so good. And the book is fantastic. That's what I heard. But not having read the book in typical fashion, not mm-hmm. having read the book and seen the movie, I really liked the movie a lot. Like I liked the movie a lot. I thought it was intelligent. I thought it was well done for the premise for what it is compared to say Interstellar. Which was like, okay, it was way beyond the mm-hmm. normal premise, but it was the same kind of, you know, space odyssey kind of story. But for what The Martian was, I was so sunk in and so invested oh, yeah. and not bothering to tear apart the logistics of what's going on that what? there was there was literally no moment where I went, oh, that makes no sense. That, that couldn't happen. I... I was sunk in. I was ready to accept everything that was presented. And that's actually saying a lot because 
Normally, if it is way off, I will go, okay, well, that was stupid. And no, I really accepted it. And got to give it to Damon, man. He, he was, was fantastic. fun to watch on it, too. And when he's tossing out those things, those little comments from Space Pirate to everything else. <laughs> the Space Pirate is easily the best. <laughs> it was funny and it was well done and believable. I really, like, really enjoyed this show a lot. And you you definitely make a big point of how the possibility of what's going on is never a factor in the movie like that was mostly the stuff they took out of the book was the book has a lot of techno babble that from what i've been told because i'm not a rocket scientist actually does check out pretty much everything you see here is at least theoretically possible right so they just took out a lot of that science stuff and did a great job of converting that to the screen of giving you the same feeling of you know what jet this looks like it checks out like and they shot it in such a way that you were so focused on Damon that you really didn't think about, you know, the science. But like I said, it's it it's very well founded in reality. My only real problem was that they changed the ending. Oh, the whole bit of him flying around like Iron Man. Right. That was just a joke in the book that never actually happened. OK. And I felt that that extra like second climax kind of reduced the importance of all the craziness they did with blowing up part of the ship to right. decelerate it. Like in the book, that was the climax of, okay, we're going to explode one of our air hatches. And that was really cool. So getting to that point in the movie, you're like, okay, yeah, that was just as cool, but it's not over yet. There's another thing we have to do on top of that. Just kind of lessened the impact of it for me. From that was really, that was really the only thing they changed was the very end. From the perspective of someone who didn't read the book, then I can say mm-hmm. that, that was uh, that was actually one of the moments that was borderline. Well, that's a little off there. Come on, but not enough that it took me out because the, it was building up so much to it that you're like you're on the edge of your seat, theoretically speaking, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, what's going to happen? So when it actually happens, it's not like you're cheering, but inside you are, <laughs> and it's like that was kind of awesome, <laughs> and so cliched when again he grabs her and they're spinning around and all that thing you're expecting that hollywood cliche kind of moment but leading up to it i i again i was in for it for the ride and loving every moment of it so it, it was an I didn't excellent movie i there's nothing bad i can say about the movie itself yeah yeah definitely we earlier too in other episodes we we did talk about like birdman and ex machina some of the the best i feel some of the best shows this oh, year birdman was last year birdman what's it yeah it was in the oscars this year so it must have come out last year i can't remember exactly when okay yeah. but anyways some of the other ones and and one of them in particular which we were supposed to record a show for <laughs> <laughs> for a while now and we will i promise so i'm not going to go too much into it but for me mr holmes was such a spectacular movie in so many different ways. And again, I I don't want to go too much into it because I literally want to spend an episode talking about it. But it was it was a movie that I went into expecting that I was going to enjoy it. But as I'm watching it, the 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 more it's going, the deeper I'm getting into it, the more that's happening, the more revelations that you're seeing, I was enjoying it more and more and more. The relationship between him and the boy, it just kept getting better and better. And that was a standout movie for me for the year in terms of the impact that it had and how much it made me think and it made me enjoy the Sherlock IP franchise, say. It turns out that Gandalf guy's a pretty good actor. It's it's pretty amazing what that man can do, let's be honest. Because, <laughs> wow. And then another one that surprised me, just in terms of the impact that it had. And when I say surprise, I shouldn't, not that surprised, because a lot of the movies have had the same impact. But it was nice to see how so many other people agreed as well, was Inside Out. Oh, do we have to talk about this? Oh, oh, what? 
What the hell is that wanna, supposed to mean? I want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. But Inside Out took a very complex issue of uh, something as simple as emotions, but complex in terms of how they affect everyone, not just kids, but adults as well. But more importantly, the importance of and the acceptance of sadness in your life. And that's something that if you have either gone through any mental illness or if you know someone who has gone through any mental illness of any kind, quite specifically, obviously, depression, some people want to fix it. And you can't always fix a problem like that. More often than not, you can't. And people want to try to get to the root of what's causing the depression and fix it, change your perspective on it, all of these other things, as opposed to accepting it and accepting the person because of it. And this did that. And it allowed sadness to be a hero in a story because it's that perspective that then allows everybody else to be able to see a solution to a problem kind of thing. It was amazing because of that. It was groundbreaking because of that. And it helped teach a young audience and their parents and everybody else who saw it with them or or by themselves, whatever. But it really drove home this idea of you don't have to try to fix everybody who is blue. You can accept them for who they are. And again, presented it in such a way that even a young audience can see it and even an older audience that has no concept of such things can kind of clue in a little bit to what depression is and how it affects people and to accept it. And it was, again, it was groundbreaking in what it did, and I loved every second of it. Along that same line, another movie that did similar things that technically was a 2014 movie, but it got a very, very limited release uh, at the tail end of 2014. So most everybody I know didn't see it until this year, so I'm counting it, was The Babadook, which took that same concept of living with depression, but framed it as a horror movie, where the supernatural villain in the movie was the depression that the main character is feeling after the loss of her husband. Scary as hell. Like a really good horror movie, but when you step back and look at it for what it represents, also very, very well made. Huh. I'd never even heard of that. Yes, that movie scarred my girlfriend. <laughs> Let's be honest, that's not the hardest thing to do. <laughs> you have no idea what I had to deal with after we watched that movie. Okay. <laughs> All right. Any other standout moments for the year for movies for you? Oh, goodness. I've um, seen a lot. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Chappie. We talked about Furious 7. Uh, Jurassic World. You know what? I still haven't seen that. I I wasn't a huge Jurassic World or Jurassic Park nut kind of thing. Um, I'd actually read the book before I'd seen the movie. Mm-hmm. And that didn't ruin it. It was still fun to watch, yeah. definitely. But I was never that blown away by it that it that I when this was announced was like oh my god I can't wait it was like I'll get to it eventually but I heard it's really quite good not a good movie stupid storyline the acting is what you would expect from a Jurassic Park movie let's put it that way (laughs) but fun as hell I'll tell you I'll, I'll give you that much I mean Dinosaurs and giant robots. You put one or both of those in a movie and I'm pretty much going to have a good time with it. <laughs> uh, what else do I have on my list? Uh, Crimson Peak. I really enjoyed Crimson Peak. It was very formulaic from a storytelling and a character standpoint. But, I mean, Guillermo del Toro is a wizard. It is... I was going to say probably, but then I thought about it for a second. It is the most beautiful movie I've seen this year. Yeah, He does that, though. Yes. I mean, there's just something about his films. Mm-hmm. Is that it, 
10 minutes into the movie, I could have told you how it was going to end and I wouldn't have been wrong, but it was still very enjoyable. Hmm. Cool. Um, Spy. I'm not big on comedies, but I actually really loved this one. This was uh, Melissa McCarthy as basically Money Penny, who gets called into the field after James Bond is captured. <laughs> but what makes this interesting is we've seen it. We've seen similar themes so many times of, oh, okay, here's the chubby woman who has to pretend how to be a spy. No, no, no. She's an awesome spy. She just doesn't like doing that job. So when you have her and Jason freaking Statham and she is basically making him look bad, <laughs> just on its own, it's very good, very funny, very enjoyable. But again, the flip of what we've come to expect from uh, traditional gender roles in the story made it even more enjoyable. Awesome. And then one other good one. I do have a bad one I want to talk about. <laughs> I am glad we actually didn't record this when we initially, or no, this was when we were initially going to, wasn't yes. it? Okay, yeah. never mind. Because this weekend, I got to see one of the special 70 millimeter roadshow presentations of The Hateful Eight. Oh, right, right, right. First of all, that was cool as hell because I'm young enough that that's not a thing I've ever done in my life <laughs> of having, you know, a premiere roadshow event of a film where you go in, I got a program with, you know, pictures of the cast and store uh, stories about how the movie was made no trailers you sit down they're playing music and Ennio Morricone actually composed the score to this movie I'm gonna be honest I didn't think he was still alive <laughs> but God, that guy is still fucking good at his job man and you know have an intermission in the middle it was basically a director's cut version of the movie so it's much longer than what the rest of the world is going to see in another week. So I was in that theater for three and a half hours <laughs> between like the intermission and all the stuff before and all that. It was a fantastic movie. And especially with the 70 millimeter presentation and the ultra wide aspect ratio that that gives you, because you have, of course, what's going on and what's really important is in the center of the frame. But since you have that much wider view there's stuff going on on the sides of the screen that's actually really important to the story if you're paying attention. Yeah. So it was a fantastic use of the old school movie making technology. And I'm glad Tarantino's out there still keeping stuff like that alive. As much as I, in many ways, want things to keep moving forward, want things to keep being new, you also have to at least remember the lessons of the past. And that's one thing Tarantino's keeping alive with his filmmaking. But you can have them both ways. Yes. You can you can do both. There's there's so there are so many films coming out that they don't all have to be super mm -hmm. high def new stuff. You can it's not paying homage to, it's just using that exact style. And there's nothing wrong with that. And as for the movie itself, uh you've seen Inglorious Bastards, right? Yeah. The scene where they're at the table with the bomb and Christoph Waltz and basically everybody knows what's going on, they're just waiting for that pin to drop. That's the first two hours of this movie. <laughs> Just super tense because there's, you know, North versus South tension, male versus female, black versus white. I mean, this takes place shortly after the Civil War. There's so much tension amongst these characters. Like, the hateful eight is, it's what it says on the tin. All of these characters are so filled with hate in one way or another that all it's going to take is one small misstep to set off this powder keg. So... After the intermission, once the bullets start flying, it's bloody as hell. It's one of the more gruesome movies he's ever made, and that's saying a lot. That's saying a lot. Yes, but it's 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 a fantastic film. I would probably say it's one of my favorites of his. I'd put it up alongside Reservoir Dogs. Hmm. See, I, I'm going to catch some flack for saying this, but I'm not a fan of all of his stuff. And I don't hold him on the pedestal that you do. And he's done stuff that I justifiably really do like. But there's other stuff where it's like, hmm, no, I'm I'm not as crazy. So this is one of those where I was wondering, is this going to be one that I do appreciate the artistry in it as well as the story kind of thing? Or is it going to be one that I wind up looking at and going, no, not for me? I honestly can't answer that question yeah. for you because I've seen both sides of that argument from people who have already seen it. Yeah. So we'll see after I see it. Okay. You got one bad one you were talking about? Yes. 
Go for it. And it's really disappointing because it was one of my most anticipated movies this year. Spectre. I still haven't seen it, but it's I, – I hear some people saying that they enjoyed it, but the vast majority are complaining about it. It was so dumb. Now, I mean I'm a lifelong James Bond fan. I grew up watching those movies when you know TNT used to do like the weekend marathons of uh, James Bond. I would watch them all. I was never that big of a fan of the Pierce Brosnan ones. Mm-hmm. I, I just, <laughs> on one hand, he's our favorite. <laughs> see, on one hand, like Goldeneye was decent. Oh uh, come on! Tomorrow Never Dies, I did really enjoy, but the other two were not that great. Goldeneye was awesome. <laughs> Goldeneye was awesome, and then I rewatched it a couple years ago, and it wasn't oh, as yeah, good as I remember. But a lot of stuff don't. It doesn't yeah. carry over as yes. well. No. I, I, I'll give you that much. Uh, when Daniel Craig took over, I wasn't a big fan of Casino Royale. Like, it was good, but I don't know. It was it was too long for me, actually. <laughs> that was my biggest complaint, I think. Like, it was too drawn out. Uh, God, what was the second one? Quantum of Solace was an absolute disaster, but Skyfall was fantastic. I loved Skyfall. So it kind of restored my faith in the franchise. So here we have, you know, Spectre coming out with Christoph Waltz, one of my favorite modern day actors as the villain in the movie. I'm like, there's no way they can screw this up. They screwed it up. <laughs> How much of this do you want me to ruin for you? Oh, you can ruin it all. I don't Okay. Care. When the trailer came out and it showed a picture of a young James Bond alongside somebody else who was burned out of the picture, the immediate joke that everybody went to is, Oh my God, it's Austin Powers and Dr. Evil. James Bond and Blofeld are secretly brothers. Guess what the plot of the movie is? I'm waiting. James Bond and Blofeld are secretly brothers. <laughs> that is why Blofeld created Spectre and has, has become a supervillain was because daddy didn't love him as much as he loved James. Oh, poor guy. And they even went so far as to make him the puppet master behind everything that had happened in the previous three films, which, I mean, on one hand, that's kind of what the old school movies did, but they showed their work. They didn't wait until after the fact to go, oh yeah, all these scenes that weren't actually in the movies are really important to the storyline now. It's, it was just so dumb. I, I hated it. Hmm. Okay. And again, because Austin Powers did the exact same thing 15 years ago. And better. Yes. <laughs> I was like, we watched um, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. I haven't seen that one. As much as I dislike Cruz, and I really do. He's always the worst part of so many great movies. But he fits in Mission Impossible. And it's one of those where, oh, whatever. You know, he wants to do his own stunts and hang off the side of a plane. Whatever. It's a win-win. We'll get a great stunt or he'll die. (laughs) So, and this is, it's getting to the point now where it's like, I think the formula has pretty much had it. Um, even though freaking Shaun of the, the movie Dead studio doesn't is great. That. Yeah, they don't. But yeah, it, it, there's some good moments in it. But it's like you're really seeing this becoming not becoming. It always has been, but you, you're seeing more now the the cruise mentality and the the like. It, it's just a, a device for Cruise to make him seem like he's still young and relevant in movies kind of thing in in action movies eh, whatever eh, again there were some good scenes certainly but i even though we really like the earlier mission impossible stuff it's gotten to the point now where it's like i think it's time to be done with this franchise so unfortunately there's a few hundred million dollars that would beg otherwise yeah exactly all right any parting thoughts on anything that we covered or anything else nothing that we covered but i now have a question because again technically it was a movie from last year but i can't remember if you actually did you ever get around to watching edge of tomorrow yes okay yeah hell i watched it a long time ago i I don't remember us ever talking about it okay well that'll be that'll be a discussion for later because yeah no i watched it yeah okay i um i had thoughts about it Okay. <laughs> not relevant to tonight's discussion, but Definitely it's just something not. that I thought of when you were talking about Tom Cruise and action movies. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was very much. I was going to put it on my list until I realized it came out last year. It was actually. Because I've watched it a few times this year. Oh, no. We only watched it the one time. And uh, not because it was horrible and didn't want to watch it again, but because eh, once it was enough. But no, I I liked it because at least at the beginning he wasn't taking himself seriously. Mm -hmm. And it came off well because of that. And yes, he gets better throughout, but that. He was the perfect actor to cast in that role because we're meant to hate him. Man, I don't At know about initially. that, but yeah, yeah. But it the 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 thing with me is that it makes sense that he's getting better. So it's not just that oh, it's Tom Cruise, so he's going to kick ass immediately. No, he's a dork, he's a pencil pusher, and he plays that well. And so it's not like you're cheering for him to get better so much as as he is getting better. It's making more sense. And you're not attributing it to him having gotten better so much as him having a good memory and remembering what happened last time or the many other times that he's tried the same thing. So, yes, he's the quote-unquote hero of the show, but not because of this supernatural mission impossible type persona super spy thing but rather just because he's been through this over and over again and he understands what's going to happen and remembers and is taking the steps to rectify or change those events so in that regard it worked really really quite well so no i i enjoyed the show i did okay because uh was it emily blunt is in uh sicario this year and i haven't seen that one yet but i've heard it's fantastic yeah it's one of the 2015 movies that uh i have to catch up on yeah oh there's a number of those i was looking over different lists prepping for this and it was like didn't see that didn't see that want to see that dying to see that and i was like oh god so yes we will have a lot of shows to discuss in the new year not just shows coming out in 2016, but definitely 2015 as well. well. When the Oscar nominations come out and it's full of a bunch of movies we've never seen. <laughs> I'll try to watch some of them beforehand. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. We do appreciate it. And as I've said with each of our podcasts, as we have said with each of our podcasts, we do appreciate the support. We appreciate you guys listening in and the comments and everything. It's been a lot of fun. We don't put this out on a regular basis for a variety of reasons, not the least of which being health sometimes, but it is so much fun to sit down and talk about, be it anime, TV, or movies, and we will continue doing this as long as we can. So we will be seeing you guys next year with with a freaking Mr. Holmes episode. I swear to God we're doing that episode because <laughs> it warrants it. So with that, thank you for listening. For more TV, movie, and anime reviews, please make certain to stop by popcornronin.com and leave the guys your thoughts in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out their Comic Book Informer podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.